country boy and knew there would be crayfish under the riverbank and in half an hour said crayfish were cooking merrily and never had he seen such big ones and so many and so juicy he ate until it hurt twirling his catch on a green stick over his hastily built fire and tearing them apart with his hands he thought now perhaps i really am dead and have gone to heaven and that is good enough for me because oh lord I believe I have seen enough of hell. That night he lay in a glade by the river, with his kit bag for a pillow, and as the stars came out in the sky more brilliant than he had ever seen, Percy began to sing. Pack up your troubles in your old kit bag. He fell silent before finishing the song, and slept the sleep of the just. When the sunshine touched his face again, Percy woke, refreshed, sat up and froze, motionless as a statue, before the calm gazes that inspected him. There were a dozen of the fellows in a row watching him. Who were they? What were they? They looked a bit like bears, but not with bare faces, or a bit like monkeys, only fatter. And they were just watching him placidly. Surely they couldn't be French. He tried French anyway. Parlez bouffant They stared at him blankly. In the silence, and feeling that something more was expected of him, Percy cleared his throat and plunged into, Pack up your troubles. The fellows listened with rapt attention until he had finished. Then they looked at one another. Eventually, as if some agreement had been reached, one of them stepped forward and sang the song back at Percy, pitch perfect. Private Percy listened with blank astonishment. And, a century later, the prairie was flat, green, rich, with scattered stands of oaks. The sky above was blue, as generally advertised. On the horizon there was movement, like the shadow of a cloud, a vast herd of animals on the move. There was a kind of sigh, a breathing out, An observer standing close enough might have felt a whisper of breeze on the skin, and a woman was lying on the grass. Her name was Maria Valiente. She wore her favourite pink Angora sweater. She was only fifteen, but she was pregnant, and the baby was coming. The pain of the contractions pulsed through her skinny body. A moment ago, she hadn't known if she was more afraid of the birth, or the anger of Sister Stephanie, who had taken away her monkey bracelet, or the Maria had from her mother, saying it was a sinful token. And now, this. Open sky where there should have been a nicotine-stained plaster ceiling. Grass and trees where there should have been worn carpet. Everything was wrong. Where was here? Was this even Madison? How could she be here? But that didn't matter. The pain washed through her again, and she felt the baby coming. There was nobody to help, not even Sister Stephanie. She closed her eyes and screamed and pushed. The baby spilled onto the grass. Maria knew enough to wait for the afterbirth. When it was done, there was a warm mess between her legs and a baby, covered in sticky, bloody stuff. It, he, opened his mouth and let out a thin wail. There was a sound like thunder from far away, 
a roar like you'd hear in a zoo. Like a lion. A lion? Maria screamed again, this time in fear. The scream was cut off, as if by a switch. Maria was gone. The baby was alone. Alone, except for the universe, which poured in and spoke to him with an infinity of voices, and behind it all, a vast silence. His crying settled to a gurgle. The silence was comforting. There was a kind of sigh, a breathing out. Maria was back in the green under the blue sky. She sat up and looked around in panic. Her face was grey. She was losing a lot of blood. But her baby was here. She scooped up the baby and the afterbirth. She hadn't even tied off the cord, wrapped him up in her angora sweater, and cradled him in her arms. His little face.